you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS in Pasadena for a morning of multilingual readings, interactive performances, and lots of kid fun. It's Super Fun Saturday on June 1st. Get your tickets at LAS.com slash events. Studios. What's up, LA? We've got a treat for you. Gab and I, we did a live taping with some of our favorite people in downtown's restaurant scene. We hope you enjoy this special edition of Cheap Fast Eats live from Elias Studios. Downtown is huge. We're in Culver City. Glendale, culturally, historically, it's a fascinating place. This time, we're in Pasadena. From Gob and Brian Studios, this is Cheap Fast Each, Long Beach. Yes, you bet it is. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You want to show a little bit the noodle, white noodle? Mm. Oh my god. We're not all going to Chipotle and sweet greens every day. I didn't bring a sweater now. I feel better now just with the yeah. soup. It's so good. This oh, is yeah. our monthly segment where we're highlighting some of Gob's favorite spots across LA to get a quick meal. We're trying to do a fair representation of all the different cultures and generations. If I'm ever at a Winchell's, I'll go for a raisin roll like nobody's business. <laughs> Brian's very disappointed by that <laughs> These are crispy corn tostadas with melted cheese on top, topped for you with costilla. So, Gab, as we're walking, talk to me a little bit about, like, what's the food culture in downtown, like, broadly? Because there's a lot here. Historically, when you and I were growing up, there were a lot of immigrant communities that sort of inhabited this area, and they really left their mark, you know? But then about 20 years ago, all that started to change little pockets started to get left behind. And so now what we have left are almost these sort of little tide pools. So what I'm hoping we can do today is to check some of that out. I love that. We're headed to a little alleyway near 7th Street in the Jewelry District. My name is Claudia. I'm the owner of Burrito Break. We're here in the Jewelry District. All the recipes that come from my mom. From Mexico, like Baja area in Sonora. Tastes like someone's kitchen. Obviously it's a business, but quality is great. All right, Brian, we're going to Sonora Town. So we do tacos in the style of a small town in Sonora, Mexico, known for manufacturing, not much else. I don't know if we're going to be able to finish all of this, Gob. I don't know if you know this, Brian, but my refrigerator's full of leftovers from all my travels. So oh, my goodness. It's kind of a, you know, a thing. What up, y'all? I want to, come on, come on, we're all here hanging out, right? Come on. Thank you all for being here tonight. Um, Downtown LA represents the closest thing we have to a city center, and we've always sort of been endlessly fascinated by its constant change and how the old and new seemingly kind of exist uh, in one microcosm to create one of LA's most iconic neighborhoods. Downtown, right, Gob? That's right. So just a a little background. Gob and I started teaming up in September. I think so. To explore LA via Cheap Fast Eats. And we're trying to do it between 10 and 15 minutes of a podcast. And downtown was awesome. Um, It was the first time Gob surprised me with a really good burrito. 
um, which he's been trying to, you know, do. Um, we've <laughs> discovered more than just delicious food, though. We discovered people, their stories, um, stories of family, stories of culture, stories of survival, too. Yeah, and so due to the COVID-19 outbreak and lockdown that followed and then followed with the social uprisings that related to the killing of George Floyd in 2020, um, with all these various upheavals, we found that it could have marked a dark time for a lot of these businesses that we feature today. But what we found after talking to them is that they really use that time to sort of innovate and, and grow. And we are here to talk about it today. Yeah, so we want to welcome our panelists. Um, first up, from Burrito Break, you guys might have had their food already, um, Claudia and Laura Barrera. They are the sister duo behind Burrito Break. As they come up, we want to tell you that they want to replace the suburban drive through with their burrito stands in and around downtown's busiest, busiest pedestrian thoroughfares, where their burritos nourish a new generation. Please welcome Laura and Claudia. Next, we have Moderno Cocina. Moderno Cocina is Latina and women-owned full-service kitchen and catering company committed to providing the most authentic and delicious full Mexican flavor with an unmistakable uh, Angelino twist. Please, re uh, please welcome Denise Menendez and Pablo Ricardo Vega. Finally, Sonora Town is the brainchild of Teodoro Diaz Rodriguez Jr. and Jennifer Feltham, two veterans in the service industry with 27 years of combined experience. In 2016, they decided to open a restaurant that would pay homage to the small border town in Mexico where Teo grew up and also their beloved neighborhood of downtown Los Angeles. Downtown has been their home for six years at that point. Uh, most recently, they opened up a location in Mid-City and we are happy to welcome Jennifer Feltham. Jen? Yay. So we're going to do a little bit of a, uh, you know, some questions here, but we are going to do a Q&A later. So get those questions ready. We love to get some love from the audience. Um, we want to start off with a question to each and every one of you. Um, it's one of my favorite things as a homegrown Angelino. There's always a story behind everyone, and it's how you got started. So, Burrito Break. Um, Claudia, I want to turn to you first. Okay. Um, burrito Break started as a sidewalk business. What is something you learned during that period of first starting out? Um, well, I didn't know anything, so I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I started this business with my mom, my aunt, my sister, and we were making everything at my aunt's house. And then we were driving to downtown LA, and so then I definitely had to learn what was sidewalk vending, how to like transport the food from one place to another, what customers want and what they don't want. So it's definitely been a lot of learning. And, yeah. and I'm going to turn to you, Laura. Um, Burrito Break is located in St. Vincent Court. We just chatted how uh, fun and dicey it is, that place, but <laughs> yeah. it's cute. It has its charm. We've been there. We've explored it. And that's in the Jewelry District in downtown, which uh, has a lot of downtown history. Can you tell us why I decided to be there in that particular location? That's a good question. Um, we were <laughs> driving. Um, one of my aunts was driving around, and she saw that it was for rent. 
And as street, um, street vendors, we were saving money and we called and it worked out. <laughs> That's how we ended there. Can you describe to people like what it's like? Yeah, you said jewelry district, but like you walk in and yes. there's like this charm. Like we, t- we said it in the podcast, actually. God yes. t- took it out of me, but I want you to describe I think it for I, us. I think I said it's kind of like, like downtown's version of Disneyland. It, <laughs> yes, it is. It is. But it, it also, um, I don't know if you guys watch Uncut Gems. Yes. That movie, it kind of is like that as well. I think that it's something totally different. Like when we started, I really wanted something in downtown because I wanted to be close to the to all the stands and to be able to do everything. And so just to be able to be exposed to the jewelry district, I think it's been really cool. Like Laura mentioned, it is like Uncut Gems. Like you go upstairs, there's all these jewelers, there's so many people, and it's just like such a different culture that I had never been exposed to. Brian, we should go down there and get matching Cuban links. What do you Hey, think? I'm yes. down. Uh, you you know, hey, we got to ask the supervisors. <laughs> okay. Put it on the budget? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> cool. All right. Okay, uh, we're going to move on to Pablo and Denise. Uh, Pablo, uh, so you arrived uh, in the U.S. in 2012 and started working with renowned Peruvian chef Ricardo Zarte. Can you tell us what was it like as a person from Mexico learning how to cook Peruvian cuisine? I mean, when you came to this country, you want to learn everything, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't care if it's Peruvian, Japanese. Mm. Like, But when I tried Peruvian food, honestly, it was very similar to Mexican. Mm. They have a lot of, like, peppers and spices, potatoes. So yeah. I get so excited when I had the interview. And, I mean, this place was Peruvian-Japanese. Mm-hmm. So... The Japanese culture and food is very respected, so I was yeah. like, I think this is my opportunity to learn something different than just Mexican food, right? Yeah. So that's why I got that job, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You do it so well, too. Uh, Denise, in your bio, uh, you say, Moderno Cocina is what happens when California and Mexican flavors meet and marry on a plate. Can you tell us more <laughs> what you mean by that? Me and him. <laughs> Born and raised in Ken LA and Mexico over here came over and I don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean, my, my background is Mexican too, but I come from fashion industry. I worked mm. in garment industry, did not expect to be in the restaurant industry, and now I am, and I'm very happy to be in it. Oh, love that. <laughs> Valentine's Day around the corner, girl, so, you know. That's you better true. get ready. Yeah. How sweet ready. I was. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm next. Uh, Jen, Sonora Town Hi. is known for bringing re- regionally specific uh, type of Mexican food to downtown Los Angeles, as well as now Mid-City. Uh, can you tell us more about yours and Teo's decision to spotlight that specific cuisine? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, when I met Teo, like, oof, 17 years ago now, um, the first thing that he did in the first month that we were together was take me to his hometown to eat the style tacos that are served there. And being from LA and being in my like, uh, being around 19 years old, I was like, I've had a lot of different styles of tacos because I'm from LA, right? But when he took me there, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my young self, but that's how I was. Um, But when he took me there, yeah, I was just like, wow, I've never had a taco that tasted this good or that was like this at all. There's nothing like this in LA. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to open my own place one day. And he's younger than me, so I was like, okay, whatever, yeah, like, <laughs> figure that out. Because uh, he was studying to be an engineer, too, so I was like, what do you know about this? Um, but, yeah, look at somehow this all happened together.
together. And uh, it was really important for us to spotlight it just because we felt like no one else was doing it. And we loved it so much that we were willing, anytime we had a craving, to drive five, six hours to try these tacos again, to have that flavor in our mouths again, just and then come right back. So we figured if it was that, like, mm, if it was that amazing for us and all of Tio's family that would make us fill up a yelera with these tacos, todo aparte, mm-hmm. so that they'd be okay when we got back home, if that was, like worth doing, then maybe people here would also find it as special as we did. And we had no idea if it would hit, and everyone was telling us that it wouldn't, so we kind of went into it in a fatalistic way, being like, well, you know, let's just try it. We're young, and we have 10 years to get our finances back together if this doesn't work out. (laughs) I love it. Can I ask a quick question before you jump in? Was there, like, one element or aspect of the cuisine that you were, like, looking to, like, bring specifically... Either was it the tortillas or the al carbon or the you know the the, the chipeline salsa? What what what? I mean, was there an aspect that you wanted to recreate specifically? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, uh, I hadn't heard of Sonora style tacos mm. in LA, so that's that. But what does Sonora style tacos mean? Well, those are always cooked over mesquite charcoal, right? If it's carne asada, it has to be over wood. It has to be over charcoal. It has to be over a real flame, not gas, or mm-hmm. no sort of like plancha tacos. That's not a thing. Right. Um, and that's what I saw at every taco truck, every taqueria I was going to at the time, was a plancha and calling it carne asada, which is in the name that it's supposed to be grilled. Right. So that was important to us, and that's also really hard to get permits for. So I think that's why it is not a thing, because it's really difficult. Um, the second thing was flour tortillas for tacos, which is a thing that I only saw at like the soft taco at Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my yeah. family's from Chile. We don't know about Spanish or like, I don't know, you didn't know about Mexican food. So I was just like, Ooh, like flour tortilla tacos. But yeah. when I tried it, I was like, this is a different, um, the flour tortillas in Sonora are like the most beautiful sort of like pizza crusts in Italy, right? It's like something that it wasn't replicable outside of Sonora. I hadn't seen anyone else doing it in a way that tasted just like that flavor from back there. And then the last thing is Sonora reps really hard with their carne asada. That's the mm, meat. That's yeah. like anytime it goes to the extent that if you're having a party, you call it, we're having a carne asada. Like right. we're getting together, we're having a carne asada. So it's already baked into the name that this is a food for like family, friends, fun, like anytime you have something to celebrate. Right. And so that means bringing a really good cut and then cooking it over the mesquite, but also not a ton of marinades, like nothing fancy except for like the most beautiful meat that you can afford at this time and just like treating it with respect and cooking it over a wood flame with your friends and family. So right. that was sort of the whole, that was the basis of what we wanted to do and like that was what inspired us and that was what we were trying to make sure that we would never um, compromise. Right, right, yeah. And uh, Chilenos, they make really good bread though, if I remember correctly, right? <laughs> Chilean food is a whole other thing that I we know. can get into. That's a different panel. I'm sorry. For another day. You have yes. the floor, Brian. But, uh, you know, uh, as much as we love Sonora Town, there's haters, right? I mean, I mean no, no, no. I'm, let me clarify the question. Nobody okay. here, nobody here <laughs> tonight. Like, Jen's like, what? Yeah. Um, you know, um, actually, Sonora Town has been a staple of my LA experience because, um, you know, when, when during the pandemic, I remember driving from Palm Springs, where I used to live, to LA to, to take someone and be like, okay, these are different flavors in LA. You know, let me show you something. And went to Sonora Town. And this person was like, this is legit. And they're from Mexico, from Mendefe. And they're like, you know, this is a good taco. Um, so, um, but I also know that there's people, we had a conversation when we were recording the podcast that not, people will compare it to like how they do it in their hometown in Sonora or another area in that region. And they're like, you forgot this or like, you don't do it like that, you know? And so, 
you know, uh, it, there's a little bit of the shade, but not really. I just want to recognize that, that food is different and it, it comes in different sizes and the different ways. Can you talk about that? You're representing a region in Mexico and the response that your food gets. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of responsibility, no, to call yourself a place like Sonora Town. And it's not just a portmanteau of Sonora Town. Sonora Town is the old name of downtown LA in the 1850s, so that's why we wanted to use that name. Moving on, though. Uh, yes, love that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so we can only speak to the food that we're recreating, right? We can't represent all of Sonora. We try our best. And Tio's family has a taqueria in Sonora called um, Asadero Campas. And we're based, we're basically a carbon copy of that. Like the owner of that taqueria, who's Tio's brother in law, came here with us. We slept on the floor and let him have our bed. And we're just like, teach us. Uh, <laughs> he's like, use a spork because it's a fork and a spoon. We're like, <laughs> genial, genial. <laughs> but yeah, um, so we just try our best to sort of like, I, I, know, what I'm, I know that I'm not Mexican. And so what I do is represent my partner, his culture. I work with him to make sure that we bring the best possible or the closest experiences we can to what is served in his hometown, which I know because we were going to get that flower every weekend when we first opened. And I keep myself like very up on what it's supposed to taste like. And so I can tell you, honestly, it doesn't taste the same. Um, it never will. But I am the kind of person that's always going to make sure that we bring it a little closer to what it's supposed to taste like. And if that's not your experience or if it's not the tacos you grew up with in East LA, I respect you and your opinion. And I don't think that you have to like it. I just want you to try it. I just want to share it with you. You know, that's what's most important to me. I hope that you like it so much. Oh my gosh, I really do. Like <laughs> it's going to break me if you don't, but, <laughs> but I think after six years, it'll be okay. <laughs> um, I want to point out a couple of things that as I hear you guys speak, it's like you guys are working with partnerships, right? When duos, uh, someone's in the kitchen or someone's in, you know, taking customers, it's uh, a lot of family. So first of all, Congrats. That's beautiful to see. Um, yeah, come Thank on, you. applause. That's awesome. You know, I couldn't work with a partner like that. I would be breaking his neck. But anyway. I'm, um, I'm right the, here. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I do want to find me. Um, but, you know, um, the other thing I do want to recognize, I've been a journalist for over 10 years, and it's very seldom when I am in a panel either um, presenting or, or hosting or whatever um, where there are more women than men. So snaps for women here yes come on entrepreneurs i love it <laughs> so i just want to say two things yeah sorry god no that's okay oh, oh okay that was it oh, the floor. <laughs> um so as i mentioned in the intro the pandemic affected all of us the restaurant industry specifically from labor shortages to high cost of food materials due to inflation and many of these issues are still being felt today um, we want to kind of move the discussion to how businesses have faced these obstacles, obstacles, and what decisions did you y'all make to um, to sort of innovate. So we're going to move it back to burrito break. Um, we were talking backstage, and uh, uh, Claudia, you mentioned that you signed your lease. Uh, what was it like a a week before the pandemic? A week before. Yeah, a week before. Yeah. So. <laughs> Give us give us a little picture into like what life was like at that at that time. Yeah, I mean it was really crazy. I had signed the lease. I was really excited that we were going to be able to make more burritos because we used to run out. 
Um, and then the pandemic happened and yeah, I was like kind of in denial. I didn't think like it was going to last this long. And I was like, yeah, we're going to open and everyone's going to come in and people are going to come back and buy burritos. And it wasn't like that. And it wasn't like that for now, like two years. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I did have to kind of innovate and that's when I added the tortas and I made like a bigger like meal because people were like going to a restaurant expecting like actual food. And I was just like, I sell a burrito and it's really small. So that's how we kind of like did it and we added like chips and walks and other drinks yeah do you want to add anything sure um because our the burrito like you said it's it's different from the the big burrito that it's known and that's why we call it the skinny burrito but in an, um the idea is from northern baja as well but it's all northern mexico and usually burritos there are smaller so that's why but they would come to us and be like that's not the burrito and that so we were doing food but um, definitely, and then the tortas. But the pandemic was, I think we were moving from c- confusion, denial, confusion, denial, mm-hmm. and then we just went with the flow like everyone else, I guess. Right. Yeah, uh, a- a- another question I had to ask. So you you guy, you sort of advertise uh, Burrito Break, the, the skinny burrito, uh, as sort of, you know, a mobile food and, and what have you. And, yeah. and you mentioned before you were already uh, selling them on the sidewalk. Do you feel like that that experience as a street vendor kind of uh, helped you navigate maybe a little bit to sell your product uh, in a sort of pandemic situation, as it were? I don't know. That's a good question. I think it definitely was easy for, like, the apps, like Uber Eats, Grubhub, and all of that was pretty easy because, like, all our burritos are, like, ready to go. Um, I do think we were kind of affected because we were in downtown, and it was, like, a ghost town. Mm. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did I not answer the question? No, no, no. Yeah, you did great. Yeah. Uh, it just made me think of something else. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like downtown, and, and maybe this is something that we could all kind of weigh in on, but um, uh, do you feel like downtown starting to bounce back now at this stage? Uh, where are we at with the pandemic uh, as far as that's concerned? How do we feel? We're all in downtown. I feel like there's a lot of traffic. Getting yeah. into downtown, which I didn't experience before, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of filming still. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because of the traffic, but I don't. I don't know if downtown's coming up again. I feel like the offices are still empty, which mm. were most of the customers yeah. that you guys were probably getting. Um, so I, I don't know. What do you? Yeah. Think? Uh, I mean, we're in the fashion district, right by the Cayones, where people, you know, shop on the weekends. So we get that foot traffic, but we're definitely down and. All of my friends that own restaurants, because downtown's a tight-knit community, have said that it's getting kind of tough to stay profitable. Um, But so my hope is that something happens. Downtown kind of has these boom and bust periods where, Mm. like, someone tries to be like, I'm a developer, and I'm going to tell you what downtown is. And downtown's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we don't like that. Because downtown's for everyone, right? right? It's like a place where everyone can be so um i'm hoping that maybe the rents come down because things have been kind of terrible and that people like young people that love downtown get a chance to maybe like open that burrito break you know uh that they get a chance to sort of start a small business again because and then like the cycle continues right totally (laughs) hopefully totally silver linings I love what you said backstage, Jen. It's like downtown is kind of like a no man's land, you know. Um, and we both said in the podcast, like downtown has changed so much, and it's kind of interesting. We when we're walking around those blocks, like 
it's became it became cute it became weird it became <laughs> kind of like where am i at um but oh, all like these within all the span people, of five minutes literally yeah. literally yeah. you know dog poop whatever um <laughs> but um i i just like i feel like as we explore <laughs> eateries and we explore neighborhoods we also explore la and how it's changed um and and everyone has this story of like i remember when this used to be here i, I used to be there and i want to turn to moderno moderno um you know because they actually started working with a peruvian food truck right and um so i wanted to i want to ask about your experience with the food truck and kind of how it unraveled to become moderno well actually it wasn't a food truck honestly we started with just doing pop-ups mm-hmm. you know on the street next to a bar and then this bar uh the owner th- at some point he was just like oh i think you guys are doing like a lot of money so he was asking for money. I mean, we were doing like 200 a day, and he was asking oh, like for 300, 400 a oh night. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, I think we have to move and look for something else, right? So she started looking for breweries. At that point, breweries were like coming up, like really, they were like very popular. Well, around what time was this? Like 20 what? 17. 17. So we were like just like, Driving from downtown to Hawthorne, Torrance, Orange County, you know. So every weekend we were like a different place. But I mean, what was the question? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) About that experience and how you moved, you ended up expanding. But the food truck we did, we had a pokey food truck that we opened. um, And it was because we knew. We weren't sure what COVID was going to bring, and we were scared, and we are like, okay, we can still go to breweries. We can still be in the street. Let's try to do that. And that's when we created a menu of um, a pokey menu, uh, and that's what he had at us in Long Beach. Kevin had us there. It was um, the best. I still dream. It's really that. good. I really miss it. But a food truck business is extremely hard. It's harder than a restaurant, and people do not understand how much goes into it and how much you don't sleep. I mean, a restaurant, we go through the same, but a food truck is very difficult. We did not know that when we were getting into it. Um, once we got that experience, we were like, I don't know how long we're going to survive doing this. So different world. pretty hard. Honestly. Honestly. And it's like expensive too, right? right. Extremely is. expensive. I mean, you have to wait commissary and your, like, your space is very limited. Right. So you have to prep everything in the food truck, your right. storage is only like two fridges. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, food trucks are really, really, really hard to work. Yeah. Like, and now if you go to downtown, you see food trucks at every corner, mm-hmm. you know, tacos, burritos, or whatever. So, all of them are like hustling really bad. Like, yeah. Like, honestly, my respect to those businesses, honestly. Do you want to add something? <laughs> oh no, that definitely. I we totally agree. Um, doing the pop ups, it's like starting every day new. Like every day, it's you build a restaurant exactly, every day like and refrain. you break down a restaurant every yes. day. No, much respect to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and again, back to Moderno. Um, you know, Gob is a fan of the poke you you sold. You know, are those dishes coming back? Are you gonna do? You already said pop-ups. Oh, girl, it's too much, right? Pero, <laughs> what are you thinking about for the future? Like, are you going to continue with the cuisine you have? Do you want to expand anything? What's this up with is that? just my way of trying to eat that. He food wants to eat. Okay, so you're going to have to invite us over sometime so I can try it. It was 
it was poke, uh, but uh, you guys did this wonderful infusion of with your Peruvian background, and it was like unlike anything I ever had before. And um, I just I'm sad that it, I can't have it. <laughs> That's all. I think we can definitely bring it back to West Hollywood location. Okay. Um, for I also want to try it now. Yeah, it was Chef. a really good menu. Honestly, it was a really good menu. It was very simple, only five options. Yeah, and the plan was just like offering something different on the road. Like mm -hmm. we had Peruvian option, and then we had the Asian option, mm -hmm. the Mexican one. So I told her like we have to make like dishes for all the cultures in LA, you know. Beautiful. So we have to drive to downtown, yeah. to Orange County, to Long Beach. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I miss that menu too. ¿Cómo te recibieron? Or how did they receive you? Like you're saying in different cultures, right? And you're representing, you are Latino, you're Mexican. I think in LA people is very open, uh, more in food. Because, I mean, if you play with recipes, like mixing cultures, is, I mean, for me, it's so cool. Like when I when I can find like Mexican, Korean yeah. mix or Mexican, Japanese, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I love that, like, because you're like adopting another culture and mixing it with your own culture. So it's just like playing with your flavors and their techniques or uh, vice versa, you know. So I, I love when people from, I want to say Japan come to a Pocky truck and they taste the Peruvian Pocky and they're like, oh cool, this is awesome, you know, something different. So that's why when we make a menu or when we have a special at the restaurant, we always try to give something different to people more than tacos de asada and al pastor, you know. Even if we make al pastor, we try to make it like Korean style or whatever, you know. So it's nice. I mean, as a chef, it's out of your comfort zone, right? So that's a lay for you. That's true, <laughs> and we love it. <clears throat> Jen, um, hi, hello. Uh, the flour tortillas you used uh, were famously made from Sonoran flour that you would drive to the border every couple weeks and brought back through various checkpoints along the U.S. and Mexican borders. That's correct. When the pandemic hit, the borders closed. And then you had to come up with other ideas. Walk us through the process of the current state of Sonora Town's flour tortillas. How did they come to be, and what does your operation look like now? Yeah. Um, so I was, the reason I had to bring it over the border ourselves, or myself, was because the brand of flour that Tio grew up eating, the type of tortillas that his mom was making, was called Bonfil, and it's only available for sale in Mexico. They don't... I've spoken to the owners of the entire company before I've had meetings with them, and they're just like, you know, we do, we do well. <laughs> We're not interested in getting the proper permits to sell in the United States. I'm like, that's fair. So we would have to bring it over for personal use in the back of my truck. Um, and personal use, there's no amount that you're allowed to bring. It just has to be convincing to a border crossing agent. So sometimes I was convincing. <laughs> other times they called my bluff. How many pounds are we talking about? Uh, at the end, I was bringing 1,400 pounds. <laughs> Uh, um, they stopped me, they, they took all my flour, and then they told me I was not allowed to bring flour into the United States ever again. I still did. Uh, they, I called their bluff. They, they don't keep, I don't keep notes. You did. Yeah, yeah. but um, 
it got kind of crazy because we were like, anytime someone was crossing the border, because Tio's family all lives that way, we we're like, you do not cross the border without bringing me a saco de harina. <laughs> must. And then we had a U-Haul like storage space where they had to drop it off. And then that got too crazy. So we were just keeping it in Tio's bedroom in his mom's house because... <laughs> his childhood bedroom. Yeah, yeah. So all of that is not sustainable, right? You can't like grow a restaurant. And we were like, we want to open a second location. So this... Tom Fuller needs to stop. Um, and also, Trump closed the border during the pandemic. So um, we had been talking to a lab before that about taking the arena, and they would give us the chemical makeup. They'd like, doop, 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 boop, boop, you know, like little beakers you, you and You did 23 and me on your tortillas. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, they gave us okay. this really long sort of printout, and be like, this is what makes your flower special. Um, and then I took that to different molinos here in the United States, and I was like, how close can you get to this by mixing flowers? Do you have something in-house already that's similar? Because we had tried every flower that we could possibly, that was purchasable, and tried making our ta- like tortillas with it, because obviously that was not, some, not a great thing to be doing. I needed to be focusing on the business, but I couldn't find anything that was as good. So I did finally find a Molino here in California that will uh, that uh, sent us some samples and then um, oh sorry that sent us samples and so we use a special blend right now but um, I'm still talking with them to make the blend more similar to the Bonfil because it's still not exactly where I want it to be but it was something that we had to do during the pandemic I could have my standards all day but the most the biggest standard is we need to be open and we need to like continue this thing that we're doing because it means a lot to us so. I yeah. love that. Flour tortilla genealogy is what happens. That's respect. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's very impressive. Yeah. What she's doing, honestly. Yeah. Like traveling, driving, like it's, it's, it's a hustle. Honestly. I'm crazy. You were making those trips every, how, how often? At the beginning, it was two weeks and we were closed on Sunday and Monday to give me the chance to leave as soon as service was over at 4 p.m. on Saturday night. And then I would go there, like get a hotel, and I would just like buy as many things for the restaurant as I could, and then cross with some flour, drop it off at Tio's mom's house, go back to my hotel, and then cross again the next day with maybe some meat and more flour. Uh, Try and cross as many times as possible, but uh, it used to be like very easy to cross the border. Like the border is very porous, and a lot of people work in the fields in Yuma, so it needs to be that way. But as, like, right before the pandemic was starting to happen, the waits were starting to get, like, between, I'm sure you guys know about this, too, like, yes. between, like, six sure. hours, eight hours, and I would be driving by myself, so I'm, like, think about it, how, how am I going to pee, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and still stay in the car? It's, like, things got really terrible. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, yeah, but, yeah, I was doing it every, every two weeks. So a follow-up, I want to ask the, the two other restaurants, what the, what's the wildest thing you've done? Because, you know, Jen shared, you know, I'm holding in key and whatever to cross my flour and, and items. To bring um, us beautiful, delicious yeah. tortillas. Yes, thank you for that. You know. How about I, you guys? I think we have a similar story. But um, my mom does much of the crossing, which she's somewhere around here. And all our recipes are from her. And, yeah, mi salsa, she does. Um, we cross the chilies from Tijuana back and forth. She was just there yesterday. What chilies? Chile de árbol. Um, well, we chile de árbol, chile guajillo. Like we get like different types of spices. You, yeah. you guys make a beautiful hot sauce that you also bottle and sell too. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That um, mi salsa, and we would store it actually. Um, all the stuff at our aunt's house here in Pasadena at the beginning. So, family affair. We, we yeah. definitely understand. <laughs> yeah. 
I think, sorry, but I think the craziest thing is that, like, when we were making, like, 800 burritos, and we had my aunt's, like, living room, and I literally had, like, three tables, and, like, the electricity would go down, because, yeah, because we had, like, warmers, and then, like, somebody had to go outside and, like, turn on the electricity so they could keep on making it. That was, like, pretty wild, yeah. I hope there's, like, a documentary from all of this <laughs> chaos, you know? I'm sure every business has the same stories, you know, like, uh, I think... When we started, I was living in a studio, and it was, honestly, it was just a room. And I was like, every time we were cooking, we have this very popular taco, which is a, a braised pork rib taco with pineapple and arbol aioli. So every time I was cooking the, uh, the, the ribs, I mean, I had a little oven. Of course, no hood, no nothing. It was just a room. <coughs> So <clears throat> all the time was just like me cooking at night, she was sleeping, and then at morning she was just like buying all the produce. I was sleeping at the mornings. But at some point I was so scared because all the room was like full of smoke. You know? <laughs> Imagine like uh, having ribs in the oven in a little room. So I had to be checking on the knees all the time like she's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's love. Like, <laughs> no, she had to work the next day. You know? <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, bills aren't going to pay themselves. We don't stop. Business doesn't stop. So. <laughs> I was not concerned about my health. I needed to bring in the, the money. Bills <laughs> no, and I was checking all the time, just like, she was fine. But, uh, at, at Denise some, made it. We're at so some glad point you're here, just like, I made it through. Thank you. At some point, you have... You, you don't see how big that can be, you know? Like, you're just cooking in a room, and I mean, it is what it is. You just take it and do it, you know? We're crazy, like she said. No, <laughs> we really are. I mean, uh, shout out to uh, the Choriman, our Choricero that makes our Sonora style chorizo. I remember when I first met him, I fell in love with him, and I was like, we need to work together because he was like, I really want a girlfriend, but my entire house is hanging with chorizo right now. Oh <laughs> like, every room. I just have, like, one past yeah. in my bedroom, but everything else is chorizo. I was like, wow, that's dedication. Hell yeah. <laughs> wow, I just painted that scene in my head. I would not think a man like that either. So. Um, a man with passion. You say that now. One last question for everyone, right? We want to ask this question? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think we have time. Okay. We? Um, we have, before we go to Q&A, really quickly, we were, we were at Elias, right? And we're at How to LA right now with, with me, the host, and our buddy over here, Gop Sabran. <laughs> Give us exclusive. What's next for y'all? Official buddy. Official buddy. Official buddy. You start for a break. What's next? Um, we, I want to introduce another meat. Right now, we only have chicken and carne asada. And I was really thinking of introducing pork. And we were talking, so I thought that was super interesting because we were talking about making something together. Ooh. So regarding her, has um, her 10, 10 Days Festival. Um, and we will be collabing. Hey, Ooh. okay, come on, collab. <laughs> we didn't know. Congrats, guys. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Uh, so you guys kind of have the same announcement. Do you have anything else to share that's kind of new upcoming for you? I mean, I'm working on a new menu for summer, honestly. I mean, we try to offer new options every, every season. So, yeah, I mean, 
come to the bar and I'm sure you're gonna find something new. Right. Uh, we have a lot of options, so, but this collaboration is gonna be so fun too. So. Love it. Cool. Jen. Um, if you come visit me at the Mid-City location, first of all, say, say hello. Come if you see me, say hi. Why not? Uh, but I will also take you to see that right next door, we took over the space next door that just came available, and we're building out a tortilleria inside of it and a little like bar just for like micheladas and maybe some wine. I don't know. Who wants wine with tacos? Beer with tacos. And then um, we're looking for a third location, too, because once that tortilleria is installed, we need to make it, put it to work, right? <laughs> so yeah, hopefully we'll be able to open a third location soon. If you have any ideas, send me a DM. Come on, third location. All right, congrats to all of you guys. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. So now we'd like to open it up for any questions in the audience. I think we have some mics floating around. They're beautiful. Uh, um, my wife loves Mexican food, but she has an actual allergy to chilies. Do you have any suggestions on how to navigate your menu? I mean... <laughs> no, honestly, we have options without chilies. Like, uh, we have a mushroom taco, which is uh, cilantro pesto with mushrooms and grilled cheese. So, like I said before, we play with recipes. It's just basically the same pesto recipe, Italian. But I play with Mexican ingredients, so just cilantro, uh, sunflower seeds, cotija cheese. So it's very flavorful. Honestly, it's very, very good. It's very popular even for if you're not vegetarian. It's a good taco, honestly. Anyone else want to respond? Um, you can always get our bean and cheese. That one's really popular. <laughs> <laughs> and almost everything on the menu at Tenortown is fine. You would just ask for no salsa on it. Except for the, uh, the chibichangas, unfortunately. She can't have those because it's already mixed. But everything else, just say, I can't, just let us know at the front that it's, um, that it's something that she struggles with and we'd be happy to take care of her. Just a side note, I can't eat avocado. I'm Mexican. I was imported from Mexico. And everyone, <laughs> in, you can eat avocado? No, no guacamole, sorry. So, you know, I, I hear you and I feel you, okay, man? <laughs> uh, so for burrito break, I was just curious, how come you guys chose Northern Baja uh, style burritos? We were born in LA but um, raised in Baja, California, and Ensenada, which is like an hour and a half south from San Diego. So the, those burritos, our style, you see them everywhere, and that's why we chose the northern side. Hello. <laughs> I have a question for Jen. Um, picking Mid-City and then your next location, are you just picking like based on where you think there's gonna be a higher price point customer, or is there a reason you're not coming to East Ide and Southeast LA, maybe Whittier? I don't know, just saying. Um, we got money down there. The second location, we were looking for a spot like at the beginning of the pandemic, right? And so it kind of ties in to my thinking of, or like where my head was at then, which is mostly just that um, we had looked at a lot of different locations and this one used to be a subway and for some reason it was like underpriced rent wise for the area. So that made me really interested in it. Plus the fact that it was like a subway, kind of the same, looked the same as like the original Sonora Town did. So I was like, oh, I'm vibing with this like color scheme and how it stinks like bread in here. Um, 
But the main thing was that I could see, like, I didn't know how long the pandemic was going to keep going on. And I was not into delivery before we started the pandemic. I was very insistent that people had to come in and eat the food fresh because it didn't taste the same if they took it to go. It would get soggy. It's not the same thing. And if they don't like it, not on me, right? But I had to change completely when, like, restaurants closed. And that was, like, all we could do. So I like literally looked at the spot on a map. I know nothing about Mid-City before we opened there. Now I feel like I love the neighborhood. I'm cool with it. But I didn't know anything about it. We picked it just because of the delivery radius. You can hit from that one spot with a three-mile radius for most of the delivery apps uh, a lot of different neighborhoods. Um, so it really wasn't about like price point customers. And I still am learning to connect with our customers in Mid-City and find a way to like speak with them because to me... It was really easy in downtown or relatively because I was from downtown, right? Like I lived there, so I knew who my clientele was and speaking to them was easy. While I'm still learning who the like average person or like who the people are that live around me and learning everybody's names in the neighborhood, which is really important to me to be a neighborhood restaurant first and foremost before anything else. So yeah, that'll be it. We'll probably just like get out that protractor again. Hi, I'm Mike. Uh, Hi, Mike. For Moderno and those who, uh, I guess, also ran their uh, food trucks or had food trucks, what makes for a good location? Like, what are you guys looking for when you decide where to set up? I, I don't think, I mean, breweries are still a great option, and I think they are always looking for food. Um, other than that, it's keep trying, keep hustling, keep going. Don't give up after a week. Don't give up after Two a weeks. month. You have to keep doing it. You have to... Be consistent and steady with your business. And once you hit a person and that person tells somebody else and it just becomes that way, that's the only way it's going to grow. It's honestly just staying and staying consistent. Make a catering menu. Catering is, is everything, honestly. And having that menu for a food truck is so easy to, I mean, get events or whatever. So... Catering, I will focus on that, honestly. Um, all of your restaurants sound super delicious and really, really great. Um, and I was just wondering if you could talk us through like what you would order if you were trying your restaurant for the first time. Like, tell us so we could go and do this and put it on TikTok. Mm. <laughs> TikTok Tag us, back okay? To you. TikTok. Great question. <laughs> you have to dance. Free to break. Y'all start. Someone's got to dance. Well, my first question would be, are you going for breakfast or lunch? Um, but if you're going for breakfast, like our most popular one is the egg chorizo and potato. Um, and then huevos a la mexicana, that one's also really good. And it's like no potato, so you really get to taste like the egg and the tortilla. And definitely try all of our three salsas. Um, but if you're going for more lunch, our chicken chipotle and our machaca uh, burrito is really, really popular. And if you want to throw in a torta, that's also really good. <laughs> yeah, a baja torta. Everything. <laughs> um, I would do it a little different. I would oh. do that for breakfast. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Sit the here, Change the menu. Yeah, for breakfast, I, I think I would do the potato with soy chorizo. It's really a good mix. Um, and it's like light for breakfast. And then um, I would do our ice cafe de olla. Um, and then for lunch, I would do our machaca burrito, which is um, beef and potato. And it's like sauteed with some onions. It's, it's a great mix. But I add um, guacamole inside of it. And that, that's how I would do it. <laughs> so not for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I would order our taquitos, which are extremely popular, and our chicharrón with guacamole. Um, in downtown LA, in West Hollywood, uh, I would order our costilla tacos and our Brussels sprouts. Oh, well, come on, chefs. In, in downtown, <laughs> I think the cochinita we have is, is the best, honestly. Uh, cochinita pibil is really, really good. With mezcal, is better. Uh, order some mezcal. We are inside of Las Perlas Bar in downtown, so it's a mezcaleria. So that mix is really good. And the classic one, asada, is always, always good. I was marinated, it's so good, honestly. The salsas, everything. We put love, so it's good. <laughs> oh, my mouth is watering. I don't think I can speak. Um, <laughs> If you are coming in for the first time, the best order to do is something like this, like a steak taco or a uh, costilla taco and uh, chibi, either chicken or beef. It doesn't matter. They're both great. Um, if you have a little bit more hunger, like me, and you can eat more, then I would say branch out. Maybe start with those two and then see if someone wants to split a caramelo with you, because I love our caramelos, um, with chorizo. I like it with the choribans chorizo and poblano pepper. Um, the only reason I don't recommend the burrito is because that's like once you've had our food a few times, you know, first you have to see what you like. And so I like to start with the smaller things so you can get more mileage. I'm more of like a, I want to try more things. I'm always like, wait, but I want wings too when I'm at the bar. <laughs> um, um, but we just added uh, cabeza to the menu. So like, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it, and it's my new favorite. Just I don't know, maybe because I've been eating the same food for seven years, the new cabeza is, is really killing for me. No, no, no. No, no, Rocco. No, no, no. Okay. Just like braised beef head, all the different parts of the head. Um, so delicious, and I like to eat it on our flour tortillas, which is non-traditional, but so, so, so good. Almost like a dumpling, just so good. Um, and our tripa is really killing it right now. I'm really proud of our intestine, if you like intestine tacos. Super crispy, almost reminds me of like chicharron. Um, Delicious, you won't even know you're eating intestine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was uh, someone here. You still want to ask a question? Yeah, we have someone here in the front, please. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So my question is to everyone. Uh, you're using your parents' and grandparents' recipes in uh, your restaurants. How much are you adjusting those recipes for your customers? Honestly, you have to adapt to L.A., uh, LA style, right? I mean, I'm from Mexico. I came like 10 years ago. And like she said before, I mean, people expect the same flavors from Mexico to over here. It's a little complicated, but I mean, you have to play with what you have over here in LA. If you go to El Mercado, you have all the peppers, all the veggies, and they all come from Mexico. So honestly, the recipes are very similar than Mexico. It's just like giving a little twist, like LA twist, you know? Uh, like the cilantro pesto I say before, or uh, the costilla taco we have, it's not that popular in Mexico, having the taco from the costilla, from the pork. So we braise it, but we use all Mexican peppers. And I mean, you have to give a little twist to all the recipes to get into LA 
um, people, I want to say. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. So that's why our slogan is just like uh, Mexican roots and LA twist because we have to always do that. So yeah, we change it a little bit. <laughs> I don't know you guys. Um, we we stay really faithful to the recipes in Sonora. That's kind of like our whole, uh, <laughs> it's our whole thing. Um, the ways that we've gone away from the original recipes that uh, we we have from our brother-in-law's place are out of necessity. Like since we didn't have a plancha when we opened, we only had a mesquite grill to cook with. Um, our burritos are grilled, and the burritos paseados that uh, Tio's mom made for him in Sonora are never grilled because she doesn't have that in their trailer that they grew up in, you know, so. Um, but it's a really nice sort of bit of kismet because they're delicious that way, like grilled burritos, yum. So, yeah, thing, in ways like that that we, like, couldn't find any other way to replicate it, it ended up changing. And I think anytime you try and replicate something, you can try and be as precise as possible and make your mom's, like, flan recipe, in my case, or something like that, right? And it's never going to be exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, every time you try and replicate something, you change it whether you mean to or not. So, yeah, I mean, cool question. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, I, we stay pretty loyal as well. Um, our mom does all the recipes and she doesn't like to change it. And she <laughs> was not a chef. She was just like the best chef of the family. And we came <laughs> with the idea. And I remember Claudia, we were like, mom, we need the steps. And she, she, does, she just does it on a, so yes, we stay pretty loyal at the moment until she decides to change. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely hard to get like a recipe from my mom. Like we she take videos, <laughs> and we're like doing the stuff in the process, but it takes a couple iterations. We have one more question. Hi, uh, can you talk to what impact inflation's had on you, on all of you? Uh, you know, we all hear about egg prices. You doing breakfast burritos? Have you um, increased prices? Uh, and what are the areas where you're feeling it most profoundly? Yeah, I, I had to increase my prices. When we first started, our burritos were $2. Then I went up to $3, and now they're $4. And it's definitely been hard. And, you know, not every customer comes every day like as before. So, yeah, it's definitely been like an adjustment for us. Can you have a follow-up? When, when, when were you like, okay, wait, well, now I have to change my, my price? Like, it, was it like you just saw the budget or whatever or rent went up and, and inflation? Um, yeah, I think it was like everything kept on going up. And like, that, I think that was like the problem. It was like not just like the meat or like the eggs. It was like the paper and the napkins and like just everything kept on going up. And yeah, so then that's where you had to like make a choice. In Mexican food is really hard to increase prices. Honestly, yes. like even 15 cents or 25 cents, it's so hard to You're do saying it. to the consumer, right? It, yes. People, people traditionally view it as, as inexpensive food. As inexpensive uh, food. Yes. And, and when you increase the price, you, you, hear, you hear it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody still wants a $2 taco, which is extremely impossible to do right now in the market. But I think that's what the customer expects, and it's kind of hard. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's impossible to do it without cutting some, like someone's getting, uh, someone's losing in order for that $2 taco to exist. Because I remember we, 
inherited an employee from a restaurant when we first opened to Nordtown. And he had been working at a Mexican restaurant that got demolished on Broadway. He'd been working there for like 14 years before that. And so we were like really stoked to have someone who had so much experience. And when he got his first paycheck, he cried because he said that that place had been paying him $40 cash a day, no matter how long he worked, like no matter what his hours were. So like cheap food, like you have to think about like how or why it costs that and like who's suffering so that you can (laughs) get a good deal. But we still try our best to be a good deal. And we still, I mean, like food, the food industry, like we, during Super Bowl, limes and guacamole go up like crazy. And most restaurants that you know are not charging you extra for that. They're just like taking a hit on their books, hoping that the price goes down, like waiting, the last lever we want to pull, the last thing we want to do is piss off uh, all of our customers that we love so much. We like, we know that everyone is very cost sensitive and times are hard. So if a restaurant like raises their price, especially us a little like struggling Mexican places, like, ah, you know, please <laughs> know that like we don't want to do it. Um, the reason why you end up raising the prices is because you end up not profitable and it hurts your heart so bad to put your heart and soul into everything, wake up early, go to bed late, and then see the, in, the, in the books that like you lost money this month. So. Those are the only reasons we do it when we have like a protracted period of less, like it's not balancing anymore. And I don't want to like let people go, so we have to raise the prices again. And I'm sure at the beginning you were losing, like, because you were <laughs> driving to Sonora <laughs> and <laughs> driving six hours waiting, and then another six hours back, like. They all does the books, so for me it's just like I do it, and then I go, did I do a good job this this week? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, Jen, you didn't. Like, okay, I'll try harder. No, if we, I'll be better. If we I'll think on those things. It's losing. We're losing, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So, but I mean, you can taste it, the love, right? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. Well, I think I think we're just at time. Eric's raising his hand. What, what do you guys think about air fryers? Uh, <laughs> Eric asks, "What do you guys think about air fryers?" And so, uh, I don't. I don't, don't have one. I don't know that so. much about it. Do we do? don't have one. We don't use it. <laughs> My mom gave me one for Christmas, and I put it up on the Buy Nothing group. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> Essentially, they all said, I don't know her like Mariah Carey. Um, are you team air fryer? I'm, I don't know how to use one. Okay, okay. I forgot. Okay. Isn't it just yes. a boiler? Fatty flavor. Are you? No, no, no. Absolutely not. Sorry. Um, we just want to thank our, if we could get a quick round of applause for our panelists. Thank you so much. Thank you for everybody for coming out. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. How to LA is produced by Evan Jacoby, Megan Botel, and Victoria Alejandro. Erica Washington writes our newsletter. Chris Farias is our social media producer. Our engineer is Hasmik Pagosian. Megan Larson is our executive producer. And I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. 
one lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com sweeps.